The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan Playoffs Week 2. And we have much to discuss. Once again, the coffee has been consumed. I bought a new cappuccino machine. Very excited. Wow. Yeah, are, are you? You're just a regular coffee guy, right? You're not really an espresso drink guy. No, I. You know, I am an espresso drink guy, but usually I only do that when I'm on the road. Like when when I'm at home, I'm not going to go through the trouble of making an espresso drink. I I I grind my own beans, but I make regular regular coffee. Yeah, do you have like the fancy coffee maker? You know, I actually really don't. Um, I I'm I'm more into get get good beans and you know fresh. Uh, start with fresh material that way, and then you know pretty much pretty much the you know how it pours through the machine. I feel like is it's gonna come out the same way. But <laughs> yeah, I guess you just want it. You just. I mean, why don't you just get like an IV or something? Uh, it seems, like, it's not, if that's the it's idea, not ta- it's not faster. tactile enough. I, I like the sensation of just you know, I the smell the sip, you know, nursing that cup. Like, the, I don't know. There's something about the whole ritual. Yeah, the the smell of coffee is pretty good. I actually didn't drink coffee for the longest time. I was I always said that it uh, tasted like boiled dirt to me, but uh, that, that then I started drinking it and boiled uh, dirt gets I, a bad rap though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, those Pika people uh, really are onto something. Um, okay, let's get started talking about the NBA playoffs here. Can, can I say something before we start? Um, of course. I, I just want to point out that if one team took more free throws than the other team, that is incontestable, oh rock-solid proof that the officials were biased. Take that for data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly that 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 was a horribly officiated game but we also had a team that fouled at a very high rate that year so it wasn't exactly shocking to see those results in the postseason yeah uh well an an arrogant officiated game which uh the, the biggest my biggest takeaway from that presser was Taylor, they don't teach you any adverbs at, at wharton Ooh. Wow. But uh, he's, joking he's aside, joking aside, I, that if that he'd game, gone to Virginia, he would have made better word choices. By the way, we could let's point that out. <laughs> that game, I thought, was the one where they actually had a point. That was a poorly officiated game. Hundred percent agree. And particularly, I thought it was a little bit more at Memphis's expense, although there were bad calls going both ways. The Monty Williams complaint: Oh, forty-two to fifteen free throws. Well, okay. How about this? How about we go through and we add up the average free throw attempts per game of the Suns who played in that game? It's right about 15. You shouldn't, yeah. like your your null hypothesis there is that they that they don't get to the line that much and that's just the number of fouls they get. Like DeAndre Ayton, I'm sorry, like Monty was like, oh yeah, you know, we attack the paint, we shoot in the paint. DeAndre Ayton never gets fouled because that's just not his game. Like he's, he's a great finesse finisher, but unless it's an open dunk, like he just goes up with a hook shot that he makes, you know, 75% of the time. Yeah. So yeah, and then I actually went through all the fouls that were called on Phoenix to get the 42 free throw attempts for the Pels. And I thought like three of them, I couldn't get every angle of them, obviously, but looking at them from the sideline camera, I thought three of them were maybe questionable, but there might've been something that showed a foul from the other angle. Right. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm I'm with you. I I I thought Game Four, Memphis, Minnesota. That like that was a badly officiated game. It did not impact the outcome of the game, though. Well, I I think it might have because every Memphis starter when they got killed, the big point that they lost that game was at the end of the first quarter, and they had a terrible lineup on the floor because a bunch of guys had two fouls. Now John Morant and Desmond Bain. I don't know that you need to take them out of the game when they have two fouls. That you might consider that Jaron and Dylan Brooks. 
okay, okay, I, I think you, you might have to take yeah. those guys out when they have two fouls. But uh, so, I mean, part of it was self-inflicted, I think, uh, by Taylor Jenkins, but it did impact things where the portion of the game where they, I would say, lost that game was when those guys were in foul trouble and they had some bad lineups on the floor. So I, I've got some, I, I think it did impact things a little bit, although how many of those calls were bad calls, I, I'm not sure. Definitely some of those charges in the second half were terrible. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, I wish we had a last 201 report instead of a last two minutes report. Because that, <laughs> which, I mean, that, game? The, the game last night, the sixth foul on Beverly where Morant steps in, his foot slides a little, he seems to hit Beverly pretty square, the ref isn't really in great position, and they call block. Minnesota already used their challenge, which that 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 play was a whole case we can litigate litigate unto itself. Um, and we, I guess we'll we'll never know. But that that was arguably the biggest call of the game. Down three at the time, Morant goes to the line, makes two, makes it a one point game rather than Minnesota ball up three with two minutes left. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty obvious blocking fall personally. I and really? although, as okay. you know, I, I I once did a presentation at Sloan on how to fix the charge, so I'm certainly more disposed to thinking that things are blocking fouls rather than charges mm-hmm. so maybe i'm i'm not the most objective arbiter but also i think that they even by the the standards that they call it now where you know you're supposed to be in the guy's path by the time he starts his shooting motion i think they don't do that they referee a lot of times and just was he in his path when the contact occurred which you're not that's not what it's supposed to be and i wasn't even sure he was in his path by the time the contact occurred so i was that one that i i rewatched it last Night. That, i will be honest that one didn't stick out to me as a okay potential okay. controversial one but um so who's the best team right now Ooh. yeah the teams we thought were the best teams haven't exactly uh shown out here uh especially the last few days golden state i would say body of work in the playoffs still still probably number one i mean so phoenix is interesting because Phoenix with Devin Booker, I still am, am inclined to give a little bit of the benefit benefit of the doubt, but you you see some of their weaknesses coming to the fore, even in this New Orleans series, and, and those weaknesses still exist when Booker's out there. Uh, what are those weaknesses? Of, in terms of what a switching defense can do to them, and in terms of uh, the that they just don't draw a lot of fouls and are very jump shot dependent. Yeah, um, and they've looked a lot worse because they're making four threes a game in games three and four, and they still still one i mean i i yeah i i'm not i think maybe the fairer thing to say is you're they're getting a lot of credit as a 64 win team for what they did in the clutch and yeah cp in games one and three was there and in games two and four they weren't really able to get much done in the clutch i don't know if they some of those games didn't like technically meet the standard of clutch time but certainly like they were struggling on both ends at times at the end of games and i think they have gotten worn down a little bit by just the youth and physicality of the pels particularly without booker but uh, again without i mean devin booker is probably their best player you know it's it's tough to judge them i think and particularly at the end of games but i think a lot of the case for phoenix is well this clutch time stuff is going to continue and if it does then yeah they probably are the best team if not then uh, i don't know anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style so level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com and use the code per easy to remember because john and benedict use per to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that per code to let them know you came from us 
I, I mean, to me, it's Boston. Boston, to me, looks like the best team right now. Yes. I, I Somehow, I like already blocked that series out of my mind because it ended. Uh, <laughs> very interesting series because it was an incredibly competitive sweep. Yeah. So Yeah, I that's think- that's been said. I felt like other than game, well, I guess game two, Brooklyn had a 17-point lead. But certainly, to me, by games three and four and really the end of game two, it seemed like Boston had them figured out and was in control. And particularly given how poorly KD and by the end Kyrie were playing, it to me, I would say it was some of those games kind of felt more like blowouts than the final score would have indicated. I would agree, especially on game three. Um, I also think like... Okay, let's go alternate scenario and say Tatum shot at the end, rolls off, or comes just after the horn or whatever. And so we have a game five. Like, what w- what would we be expecting to happen in game five? We'd be like, oh, Boston's going to close this out. Like, it's not even it's not even yeah. a question, right? So I, I do think there's an element of that. Yeah, I thought actually that Boston's victory, and, and I think it, you might have actually been the one to kind of bring this up, that this was somewhat similar in the end to like the Lakers beating Portland and Houston, you know, teams with these skilled players, but not very physical in 2020 in the bubble where they just ground them down to the point where it was just like you knew what was happening in every game and their physicality was just too much and they're just it seemed like they were drawing dead by the end and I mean I've never seen like KD and Kyrie were like KD did come back and take 31 shots in game four though I think he was helped partially by the Tatum foul trouble and also just the fact that they the Nets went with Bruce Brown only 24 minutes and so they opened the floor for him but then obviously they were never going to stop anyone either with that group but I, I think that and you know maybe that is a window if they can get a couple more guys in there who can actually play both ways of what the team could be next year but yeah i mean it, it definitely felt like just their physicality was going to grind them down and overwhelm them particularly with katie and Kyrie playing 45 minutes a game yeah and i mean we saw that i mean i saw that movie up close uh this last weekend with what miami just grinding trey young into a pulp man i mean actually i, I think i want to move on to our most disappointing players section because to me that's really been my biggest takeaway i've tried to do a list of most surprising players we'll get to that but so many players have had really disappointing playoff star players where it just I, I can't recall seeing this many times when these guys like superstar players my thought was like oh man hey maybe la- last year you know you don't necessarily need a top 10 player in the nba right like the rules are just so conducive to offense now that these guys are going to be able to score regardless and like you just need enough shooting and defense around these guys and someone like a donovan mitchell can carry you to a great offensive performance in the playoffs and this playoffs to me has really been the revenge of the defenses yeah especially the way the last two months of the season went right sure where it was just offense out the yin yang and now yeah we're we're seeing i mean trey young's been completely shut down um i I mean that was one of the worst playoff series by a star like ever in nba history that he just played yeah i mean for him to he had he had he had as many turnovers as assists right i think he might have had more turnovers than field goals in the series yeah and it wasn't and it wasn't yeah it wasn't like he was scoring a ton either um they they really bottled him up kept him other than the last play of game three they really kept him out of the paint and did it in a way where they weren't even conceding that much to atlanta's other guys um especially once bogdanovich got hurt who was really the one guy they they struggled to contain a little bit yeah uh man yeah but by the way i have it here 24 turnovers player efficiency rating of 5.3 he was atlanta's worst rotation player statistically in the series yeah 24 turnovers and 20 field goals wow and only 19 free throws as well that's that is insane and yeah i agree with you like they he was so bad defensively too that they honestly would have been better not playing like they're usually it's okay the guy's struggling himself but at least he's drawing the defensive attention and and making plays for other. he also only had 24 assists in five games as well by the yeah. way no their best stretches no. were when Wright yeah. and Bogdanovich were the backcourt um now granted they were going against Miami's backups but like Miami had a good bench right like Tyler Hero's gonna win the six man award those were the only stretches where Miami got outplayed in this series how did they do it to him uh how did how did Miami do it to Trey Young yeah you know 
I, I'm I'm still struggling with with some of it. I mean, it's they obviously are are very good in switches with Tucker and Adebayo, but he just he just could never get in the paint against anyone. And usually he's so crafty that he just you know even if you show him a look and he has trouble with it for a while, he's just going to figure it out as the game goes on. And what was amazing to me about that series is he just he just never got there. There was like this brief moment in Game Three where where you thought he had finally kind of figured it out. At the end but that was just a, a mirage yeah and i mean i think it started with bam obviously being able to switch on to him he wanted less than no part of trying to attack bam out of bio. he tried it a couple of times in the in game one and went absolutely nowhere but by the end i mean he couldn't even get by Struce Max Struce, Hero, the yeah. Guys, yeah yeah Max Struess picked his dribble in game five like i i don't know if there was something physical going on there that um but I mean, he just he just wasn't the same guy from from the word go in that series. Yeah, and he was twenty one percent from three. And normally you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, that's just a, a tough shooting series. Like that was luck. No, I mean, if you just roll back and just watch the film of every single one of his shots but didn't see whether they went in or not. I mean, his expected make maybe would have been like 28%. <laughs> exactly. Particularly yeah. on some of these, but he was rushing it. Like that was all he had was just to jack a 30-footer, like a rushed 30-footer. Yeah, with like 22 on the clock. Yeah, and that was his yeah. one, that was the one shot he could get to the whole series. Never really even got into his floater game other than the play at the buzzer of game three. Yeah, because he was really, I mean, he couldn't get by anyone. And then obviously they were also kind of crushing him in the in the paint as well. And and Atlanta wasn't hitting shots, and they had to have right on the floor. You know, John Collins couldn't hit a three. He was missing Capella as well, who really would have helped him. But yeah, I mean, by the end, it was just I've. It's rare that I've seen a guy more discombobulated. And KD was another one where in by game three he had almost kind of given up. And maybe their offense wasn't that bad, but they needed him to obviously be the best player on the floor. He wasn't close to that uh, in that series. Do you think that this maybe augurs? KD moving into a new phase. He is 33 now. Is it possible that he's just not that good anymore? Or was this just a superlative Boston defense and Brooklyn surrounding talent offensively was too bad and that's why he couldn't do anything? I think he was out of gas. I mean, they played him 40 minutes a game, like from the moment he came back in the beginning of March. He just went 0 to 50, 40 minutes a game every single night because they needed that just to get into the playoffs. I think he was exhausted before the playoffs ever even started. I think that's reasonable. And you throw that in as well with one, some of the weaknesses that he has had, which is, and you know, this wasn't an issue when he played with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green in Golden State. And it wasn't an issue last year in the playoffs, really, because he was operating kind of more off the dribble and was able to just work and pick and roll against a drop coverage most of the way. But just physicality, getting the ball, getting roughed up off the ball, combine that, like that's a weakness of his to begin with. And then combine that yeah. with the fact that he was tired. And, you know, some of these plays where they're being allowed to be physical with him, sure. But then also, you know, he's not able to seal off Jason Tatum and get the ball. Like, you just got to be stronger than that, now, right? Like he's, if you're, he's never yeah. been good off the ball. I mean, that was our whole game plan in Memphis was just to have Tony Allen oh, deny sure. him. Because he he's not physically strong. He's not like a great cutter. He's just, it's when he gets the ball in his hands, then it's oh shit. Because he can shoot over anybody and he's got a pretty good handle and all that. Uh, he's... He's also not a great passer, like he's okay, but so you can you can get away with running defenders at him a lot. Yeah, I I agree. So I'm interested to see what it looks like, but you know, 33-34, I had KD as my top player in the NBA. I doubt that that'll be the case next year. You know, I did that probably a month and a half ago or so mm-hmm. based on what he did in last year's playoffs and that he looked pretty good this year and maybe that'll change and maybe if he gets more rest during the regular season, he can look better in the playoffs, but it's just for a guy 33-34 to be the best player in the NBA. I mean, there's probably two guys ever, LeBron and Jordan, who have been that at that age and so it's it, we may be moving to a point where that's not the case anymore to me i thought actually Kyrie's performance was more disappointing than katie i already had a little bit of built-in expectation of Kyrie disappointing me so i guess i <laughs> no. so oh, what, what gave you that <laughs> 
just the way the last few years have gone. So because because of that, it, it like I mean, he was he was actually he was awesome in game one, right? Sure. And then he just kind of vanished from the scene. Yeah, just the, the lack of aggression was the interesting thing to me, right? And KD at least I thought he was getting doubled and they had like this huge plan on him Kyrie was just all right we're just going to switch whoever it's going to be onto you and then you're just not going to be able to take him and yeah they load up to him a little bit but he's been facing that uh, all year um let's see who who else is kind of on the the dis- uh, while, while we're on the nets what's your take on the latest here from Ben Simmons uh troubling i i think i mean you read the tea leaves these very carefully worded stories that are that are sourced from even friendly places to Simmons and still kind of express a little bit of disappointment about what happened. And you you just wonder, is he going to be able to play next year? Like when, when is he actually going to take the court? I guess that that's, that's the question you have to ask now. And what is it, what is he going to be doing in the, in the off season? My initial thought was who cares, right? It makes absolutely zero sense for him to come back in game four down three zero. That would just be stupid to bring him back I, at this I, point for him and the I do agree. I do agree with that part. And the Nets should have gotten out in front of that better than they did. Yeah. Well, obviously you can't admit that, hey, we're down three zero, so it doesn't make any sense, right? That was my initial thought. And then some of the reporting that came out was almost kind of less favorable to that of like, oh, he, he, there's hope that he would play and then he didn't. And like the Nets actually wanted him to play. And there's, Sham said there's some exasperation and so i that was surprising to me and there's hope that he'd play in game three and that his teammates didn't think he was working as hard as he could have to potentially get back and that's yeah that is troubling now a conspiracy theorist would also say hey this actually helps his 17 million dollar grievance or i think it's like 20 against the sixers if it's like no this mental thing was really i couldn't even play for the nets um but it it seems like there's enough smoke here that no that actually is real yeah i yeah i mean it's so weird because that this trade is working out horribly for both teams right right now like i I, yeah no nobody is happy with how how this has turned out between philadelphia and brooklyn they needed each other because it was the only deal they could do but it shows philly could have done something else philly could have could have got like you know gone for like us the cj mccollum with portland they could have gotten some of those or minnesota or something like that i don't know that any of those would have been superior necessarily um yeah last thing on simmons i i do think still he should and will lose his grievance against philadelphia because it seems like even if his issue was legitimate which it's a little tough to prove because they had so many other explanations in theory before this but he clearly didn't go through any kind of a process with the team to evince an actual desire to get back and try and play and cooperate with them and all that stuff use the resources that were made available so i think it's he for the league he almost can't win that grievance yeah because that would just open a huge pandora's box they're probably gonna have cba changes based on that anyway yes that's I, I you're you're the lawyer not me but that that would be my expectation as well yeah and we don't know exactly what his argument is going to be maybe he's got some unbelievable argument that i just can't anticipate but that would surprise me but ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. What else do we need to talk about here? Anything, anything else on like the disappointing players front? And we don't need to spend our whole time on that because, you know, we're positive people here. But I think there, there are definitely some of them out there that we need to hit on. I, I guess Harden I, would be the next one since you, uh, you alluded to that. Yeah. It's the same thing we saw at the the second half of the regular season. I mean, he just doesn't he doesn't create the same separation, and he doesn't and he doesn't uh, kind of play through physicality around the basket as well as he used to. And the combination of those two things has really made the type of game that he likes to play much harder to pull off successfully. Fourteen of thirty eight on two pointers in the playoffs, thirty seven percent. That's not good. I mean, there's there's a bunch of free throws thrown in there too, but no matter how you slice it, that's that's not going to get. And it's not done. that many free throws. Thirty seven in five games. That's not not enough to change things. And it, it, and we thought Toronto would be a bad matchup for him. 
But, you know, even against some of their worst defenders, he, once they just decided, oh yeah, right, let's actually make him make a two-point field goal, these last three games, he's really been powerless. And it doesn't bode well for these next two for, or I shouldn't assume that there are two next games, I guess. Philadelphia could win, still win game six here. But that, that series has taken a turn, right? Well, at least we shouldn't feel as stupid about picking Toronto right now. Exactly. After they got blown out in the first two games, and it seems like they've tightened up some of the things they were doing on defense. They Toronto only had three offensive rebounds in game five. I think they've really called off the dogs on the boards and focused more on taking away transition. Yeah, and Philly hasn't really been able to score on them in the half. I mean, obviously the biggest thing is this Joel Embiid thumb injury, right? I mean, I, I, I think this is the same injury that... You remember when Tyler Johnson was... I think it was like the 2016 playoffs, maybe it was 2017, where, or, or no, I think it was actually maybe 2018, where he had the thumb injury and they just had like a piece of tape connecting his thumb to his finger. And it was, that was like the, the piece of tape was like standing in for his thumb ligament. <laughs> I think that's the injury that Joel has where he just like, I, I would love to see a breakdown of like what it is actually that he can and can't do with this injury, assuming it's a, it's a UCL injury. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I'm you, surprised, frankly, to, that he's to, allowed yeah. to play with a baseball mitt. <laughs> I mean, that does suck for Embiid, though. Like he was yeah. actually finally having a really good playoff series against a real opponent, and then to have this happen again. I mean, this is every single year other than 2020 now that he's been injured in the playoffs. And this, I think, some of the other stuff. Uh, although I guess the fractured face, you can't put that on him. Really, that was a freak accident. This thumb thing was a freak play. Some of the other stuff was more, you know, knee stuff. Things that are more chronic for him but yeah he's been really unlucky i mean it's it's just if they get out of this series i think what do you think of the prospects for the rest of the series well one advantage for philly in game six is that matisse teibel is ineligible for it yeah one of the most overrated players in the nba in my opinion yeah i you know his rookie year he made enough threes to make him playable but like having seen him at washington having seen him before games warming up and whatnot i i just never trusted that or believed in that and you can see he's kind of regressed toward being a guy that you can just leave open and live with it and he also airballed a finger roll in game five that was pretty sad um do, do you remember by the way when everyone in boston was going ape shit because they it was a it was a good value trade to move down from 20 and i think they, i can't remember what they picked up it might have been 20 it was carson edwards is what they got out of it, it was 24 oh. and 32 or 33 or something Okay. I mean, it was a good value trade. They may not have actually uh, (laughs) got drafted good players, (laughs) but I think they were freaking out by like, oh, we got this, sorry, Grant Williams guy at 22 instead of Thibault, who we could have drafted. And uh, Grant Williams looks a little bit better than Matisse Thibault right now. I I would say just, just a wee bit. Uh, in in response to your larger question, yes, I I actually think Toronto matches up better against Philadelphia without Fred VanVleet. I, I think we saw it in the regular season too. They they played this exact formula in late March when they went into Philly and and beat the Sixers, where they just played all six seven to six nine guys except for Trent and switched everything and just attached whatever attacked whatever matchup they like in the half court one on one and otherwise they just kind of tried to run and whoever had the ball just kind of just kind of was the point guard on that play uh between Barnes and Siakam and Anobi and I think it's a it's a tough thing for a, a more traditional team to play against and I just don't think Philly especially with Embiid in this state I mean Embiid is the one trump card you could play against that lineup where he just kicks Precious to chew his ass and then there's nothing Toronto can do about it but that hasn't happened uh yeah. these last and, and they've been doubling so hard and Philly I mean Philly the the way that they're going to win a game one of these last next two games they're going to hit 45% from 3 yeah which they're quite capable of doing they're a good shooting team um Especially but, with yeah, I mean, ineligible. I, I think you make a decent point there, though, because my thought was, okay, Fred is going to be really important because he can come off a screen against Joel and a drop coverage and hit a three. But number one, Joel just hasn't been good defensively the last few games. I mean, that's been the more disappointing thing aside from the thumb is right. Did, not it, did that the affect the his lower way. body? Like what, what was going yeah. on with that? Like Siakam was just cooking him. Yeah, Achua blew right by him a couple of times, right? Like so, so they need more from him defensively because that's the thing, right? Like Van 
Van Vliet's probably more, he's a good defender, but not really against this team. They don't have anyone who's like coming off screens or anything that you need to like deny on the perimeter. And so then it's really, yeah, you get more defensively and then they can't stop Toronto anyway, right? Like Toronto is putting up solid offensive games despite making like five three-pointers a game at this point because Philly is just so bad on defense. Yeah. So I still think Philly wins it, but their biggest ally right now is math as opposed to like anything that's happening on the floor. I agree. The math of being up three two that is yeah, it's a yeah of course they get two shots at it and one of them's at home and and toronto is always on the precipice right because their rotation's so short they're always one ankle turn away from just all of a sudden being super vulnerable um next disappointment to me that we have to talk about okay is donovan mitchell yeah and i think it's the one with the biggest implications for the offseason or that could potentially have the biggest implication because it feels like utah and especially the new owner there Ryan Smith is kind of all in on the Mitchell train and you just question if 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 he's the guy that you really are going to go that far with in terms of having everything revolve around him and trading for his best friend and all this stuff and what's happened is and this has been this was a trend late in the regular season too is that he gets he gets too greedy with the ball late in games right and I think yeah. that hurts them and then defensively what the hell oh my god I mean it's like is, is he terrified of picking up fouls is that is that what's happening like he's just you'll see him make two slides and then just stop and let the guy go by yeah his decision making i mean we knew he was bad on defense he still needs to get better he took some strides in the regular season but he obviously has regressed and you know it's one thing if it's like okay you can't switch on to prime lebron james it's not like Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie are like nice players, but you should probably be able to, with his physical tools, at least win that matchup every once in a while. Like not just give up 85% shooting in that matchup. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And at least be good enough in that matchup that other things being equal, they would rather set a screen, right? <laughs> than, than just let the guy cook you one-on-one from 40 feet away. Yeah, and he's 8 of 41 from downtown. He too, to me, now he's made tough shots in the past to be sure, but to me, particularly the way that he started game five was really disappointing to me because I thought they finally found something, breaking the paint, sharing the ball in game four. Like it was really the first time in the series they looked like a real offense. And he just comes out bombing these 30 footers that are pretty well contested that you haven't been making in the series. And that's why he's shooting 20% from three for the series. And yeah, he's been off a little bit, but, and Finney Smith is a good defender, but really like, I think his mentality, and you hear all these quotes too, from Utah, like, Hey, you know, we're so good when we share the ball. We're, we're so good when we move it. Like when we break the pain and start passing around, I'm like, yeah. okay, they're not, they're not putting on Mike Conley for that right who's (laughs) had a disappointing series but you know it's not that's not Boyan Bogdanovich they're talking about it's Donovan Mitchell and he's just not passing the ball enough there now we got to give a ton of credit to Dallas defense too I mean this is a like this is the number one offense in the NBA whatever their approach was and Mm -hmm. Dallas has completely shut them down in this series yeah they've they've taken away the three-pointers again some of that's been self-inflicted by Utah I think but they they haven't they haven't let let Utah's secondary guys breathe uh, so they've been able to take away a lot of what Mitchell and Bogdanovich uh, do um, without compromising what they give up from the role. They've just they just stayed really solid and really together. Kleba's been big, one of the most underrated defenders in the league. And I think scheme-wise, he's been able to play more in this series than in some others. Uh, obviously, he was helped by all the threes he made, especially in, in games two and three. But they, they've, they've made Utah's offense look very ordinary. And, yeah. and even with them shooting poorly, like, yeah, three of 30 is the worst performance in NBA playoff history from three with 30 or more attempts by like five percentage points to I think no team had ever shot worse than 15% on 30 or more attempts but nonetheless like they're not getting up the number of three-pointers even that they are accustomed to 30 I think is their most for the series oh no they got 35 in game game four when they played well but uh anything that Quinn Snyder can do in that series on either end going into game six like adjustments that you might think of it's hard because he doesn't come into this with a deep bench, right? Like, could you start Daniel House for Royce O'Neal? Maybe. Would that change yes. anything? Yes, for God's sake, please do that. Okay. I mean, that one of the things with Utah definitely is that Royce O'Neal, to me, is not what he was. Like, he was a borderline all-defense 
candidate, at least, uh, as recently as two years ago. And he's just not that guy anymore on the perimeter. And and I, th- I think that's one of the areas they suffered. And then he turns down a ton of shots. Now, House can be wild out there, but he does give them more perimeter size uh, and and a little more offensive juice, although he's not had a good series either. But even if you go to that, like you still have to play O'Neal a bunch because you just don't have any other players. Like your rotation only goes seven or eight deep. Like what what else are you going to do? I would start House, and much as it's going to pain you, I would probably start Clarkson as well. And this assumes that yeah. Mitchell's going to play, obviously. You yeah. know, which and mm-hmm. isn't totally limited. I mean, this that whole thing was weird, wasn't it? Like a him being on the floor down twenty eight. Especially right. after they had just had this incident where... It was this, bad enough that Dallas had yeah. Luca on the floor up 24 with it just coming off a calf strain, right? Like, what the hell was he doing yeah. out there? But then, but then after you have that example... That incident, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, let's not get anybody suspended. Get everybody out of here right now. Uh, and instead, they, they left him out there. But again, Which I think that's another then, area where they've always given Mitchell a ton of agency uh, in terms of uh, how and when he plays even. Like, he came back for game two against Memphis when I don't think they wanted him to last year. Yeah, well, that was... And then they basically, they fired the guy who wouldn't let him play in game one, and then they lost. But they fired that guy, I think, basically because Mitchell was pissed off. And granted, there was clearly a failure of communication there for him to expect that he's going to play up until, like, that shoot-around that morning. That's probably probably something that could have been communicated better. But nonetheless, and yeah, so then it's like his hamstring, but then these MRI results, like, oh, no, it's not his hamstring, it's bilateral quad contusions which i, I don't which think he suffered, he suffered which he suffered cont- on a play with no contact so yeah on both of his quads simultaneously so i i think they're clearly obfuscating the situation it's now like a, and that russian they, mafia injury like <laughs> oh no he yeah. fell <laughs> right. yeah i guess so so i i have no idea what to expect from him in the in the next game it seems like something is kind of being hidden there so yeah, yeah i would start clarkson i would start house i mean house is like in the positive for the series and he at least presents them some athleticism to kind of fly around hopefully Boyan can get back to giving them some effort I think he was just exhausted in game five after what he did in game four and you know he can hopefully make a field goal in the next game maybe Conley coming off the bench and knowing that he's playing limited minutes can give him a little bit more juice on the second unit I'm but not certainly there are no easy answers not emotionally prepared to discuss his series no and he's got two more years right at 20 million over 20 million a year uh been, I, I think he yes. wore down this year like he wasn't on the skip all the back-to-backs plans and then he was playing well throughout most of the year and then he had this period where he you know shot like 25 percent from the field for 10 games and like okay yeah maybe we should start resting this guy a little bit yeah uh 23 24 is uh a partial guarantee yeah 14 million of 20 guaranteed but yeah that's that's a lot of money still for for where he's uh, what he's done in in these playoffs you think this is it for utah well surely if they lose this series in this desultory fashion of course Uh, you mean in terms of just them being a like that they're gonna lose this game or that they're the team's gonna get broken up and all that that these okay so these five highest paid players on the team uh conley mitchell bogdanovich gobert clarkson when they come back in october november though all five of them will not be there right it seems unlikely likely at this point unless things truly turn yeah which i mean if they could have gotten out of this series I think Phoenix could have been a little bit vulnerable in the next series, but it's the same thing as yeah. last year, though, right? Like they will never have a more wide open path to a title than they had a year ago, and yep. you know they had home court advantage for the whole playoffs. They had they had no Kawhi for the Clippers, and and two games they'd already won the first two games, and then they were looking at playing Phoenix, who ended up missing Chris Paul for part of that series, right? And then they would have had had they gotten past that, they would have ended up playing Milwaukee with Giannis coming off the knee. I mean, they, you know, maybe they would have lost anyway, but like it never would have been better <laughs> for them. And they just couldn't even beat the Clippers. Yeah. Now they'll tell you Mitchell was hurt and Conley only played one game in that series and he came yeah. back in game six. So that's maybe being a little bit unfair to them, but, uh, and that Clippers team is a tough matchup, obviously, but yeah, it was one of the more disappointing losses in franchise history to be sure. Ah. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. 
all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. I have, a, I have an idea for you. Okay. Should, and this goes into our disappointing players, should Taylor Jenkins just tell Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm just going to play you your normal rotation minutes until you fall out at this point, rather than just having his rotation get jacked up every game, and he's never going to be in there at the end anyway. So just say, like, just maybe try something different psychologically, or at least give yourself the ability to plan ahead and be like, all right, you know, we're just going to do our normal rotation with you, Jaron, and if you fall out in the second quarter, so be it. That's an interesting one. Um, like something has to change, right? Like he's never going to make it through a full game ever. I think. I think what what in, in his ideal world they close games with Jackson and Clark together. Like that thing worked, having Jackson and Clark on the court together. So I almost wonder if the way you get to that is if you just early sub Jackson, like two minutes into the game, just like, or maybe just don't even play him until the second half. Just start him in the second half. <laughs> But I, I like I could. Can you remember? I can't remember another series like this by anyone ever who's supposed to be a main player, defensive player of the year candidate, where it's just so inevitable. Like you've got Brandon Clark, even just like saying him audibly on ca- on camera, like just keep your arms up, goddamn. Like yeah. it just it was. Yeah. What? What? I've never. I can't remember anything like it. He doesn't pick up fouls usually, though. Trying to be a shot blocker, he picks them up in the in the most random, unbelievable ways. And offensively, he just. His arms just end up hitting people all the time uh, or going after rebounds or just there'll be a random transition. It'll just get tangled with somebody like it's, it, it's, it's just a bingo card at this point. Right? Yeah. There's, yeah. you know, it, two, but, two no, times, trust me, I, 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 I live this like I, <laughs> I know. OK, two, two charges on the predictable left-handed drive that he does every single time that um two where he instead of boxing out with his body turns towards the guy and just grabs him uh there's you know trying to take a charge on someone who's like you know 100 pounds lighter than him there's yeah the the arms coming down when he tries to do verticality there's uh running the floor and running over a guard and transition it's it's incredible how he finds ways to commit the three shot foul on carl anthony towns there's every single one of the fouls that he gets other than maybe his sixth foul which was a bad call in game four it's like you're just smacking your head how could he have committed this yes and then at other times you'll see him do do great stuff right he he drew a transition charge on towns last night that was that was a big play in the game uh where where they had just cut the lead from 13 to 11 and then bam gets towns to run him over and they got the ball back and they're in single digits right away but yeah. there's just there's just too much of the other stuff in between yeah of his fouls maybe like 20 percent of them have been actually protecting the rim plays so i don't know yeah i mean it's like and it's not like he's carl anthony towns is a tough matchup he's not even guarding towns a lot of the time and you know it's not like we're talking about chris dudley trying to guard Shaq here like he's not where you just have no chance and you're getting fouls I mean that's got to be someone going against Shaq as a center you know Rick Smith's in the 2000 finals or something it's got to be like the only guy like this where you're yeah. just a main player who's been in this level of foul trouble like he's got to have set the record for most fouls in a in a five game series so far interesting or or most fouls in fewer minutes obviously mo- the, just for most fouls I mean you're capped at, at 30 so uh but the the amount of time it's taken him to achieve his number is also pretty impressive 26 fouls in five games so he's only four away from his theoretical mac (laughs) (laughs) and particularly considering the fouls per minute too that's got to be another one as well where maybe there is some guy going up against like dwight howard in a hacka situation or something but yeah that's that's incredible um all right let's hit the good here surprising players that we should give some credit to you know who was really good on uh on was it Sunday? Uh Grayson Allen. Yeah. And he's making open shots. Well, and he picked Kobe just, White's dribble twice. Yeah, that's true. Well, Kobe White might have picked Kobe White's dribble twice. <laughs> that's <laughs> how much of an asterisk do we have to give this for for quality of opponent? It's funny because yeah. we were we were talking up the Bulls the last time we broadcast, and Milwaukee just went in there and smeared them twice, just exposed all of their weaknesses, even without Kristen. Like it was just ugly. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't want to spend the entire thing on disappointing, but I mean that that chart you tweeted out of the PERs 
for everyone below their top four in the series. Oh man. Yeah. Really summed it up, right? They got they got to get their core guys yeah. some help. I mean, not having Lonzo obviously is hurt, and they're still waiting on Patrick Williams a little bit. Uh, yeah. who did at least have 20 and 10 last game, actually. But yeah, they, they just have to get more quality, especially in the front court, uh, for them to match up against the best. Five of nineteen on corner threes in the game four. <gasps> I, I I mean that's an incredibly high number of corner threes like the league leader in corner threes given up defensively is usually like 10 a game yeah and they couldn't make them like that that just sums it all up right there i mean to me levine and DeRozan offensively have done everything they can it's just there's no respect for any of these other guys and for Grayson Allen, back to him, yeah, like the, he's first of all, he was terrible in the first two games. So let's not forget that. But yeah, he can make open shots compared to say, you know, what Landry Shamet, who will always be tied to him as a, another guy who got kind of a weird extension at that position for a fourth guard. And Chicago can't go after Grayson Allen, or they haven't done it enough. And then also he's got three huge bigs behind him. So we'll see. My my issue with him was never on offense. Yeah, he's, he's going to make shots. Like he can drive a little bit. It's just that he's going to get lit up defensively as he did playing for memphis last year against utah Torch. so when they go against a real team we'll see yeah. how well he does and you know milwaukee didn't give him that extension so he could have a couple nice games against chicago in the first round all right so uh, speaking of which milwaukee boston how excited are you for this a little bit less excited because of the middleton thing i i don't think milwaukee has a shot because of that i, I mean i guess they have a shot and then they also don't have home court either I think that decision to not go for home court, uh, I, I do think they'll look back on that and, and rue that a bit. And I think it was a little bit of a tell as to where they stand right now that they preferred the easy walk into the second round to something that maybe might have increased their overall championship equity. Hmm. Well, they could have lost if Chris Milton got injured. And obviously there's a butterfly effect, so maybe he wouldn't have. But if he got injured against Brooklyn, they might have just lost to Brooklyn. Or they would have played this huge lineup against Brooklyn and just pounded and pounded and pounded. Yeah, but can can you do that against KD and Kyrie with Middleton out? Like I mean, Those guys they, just want to take mid-rangers, right? If they, if, I mean, if they're not going to run any plays, you can. Yeah. Yeah. A- anyway, though, yeah, regardless they uh, not having home court against boston and no middleton i think that's just going to be really tough i i do think they the variable that i just don't have a good feel for in that series is what happens when boston goes up against a real defense yeah is there is there really enough shooting there is jalen brown enough of a, a second man to take some of the heat off of tatum there's a lot of questions there and then you know Giannis is such a weird matchup even for an elite defense if like if you don't have the one guy who can who can wall him up he's just such a problem horford has done well against him in the past but horford is also an older version of that guy so i'm really interested to see how that matchup goes uh, overall i I think you're probably right. I think the quality of Milwaukee's depth just isn't good enough to sustain them through a long series against a good opponent. But I'm really yeah, and excited actually, and yeah. interested. And, and you mentioned Grayson Allen. Like he's going to be a hugely important player in this series where if he can make shots and stay on the floor defensively, then all of a sudden, maybe Milwaukee can score. I, I don't think that they... I think Giannis is going to have a terrible series by his standards. Like he'll get some stuff in transition and and whatnot, but in Corford's a good initial matchup on him. They can switch Tatum or Brown onto him and still have a bunch of stuff behind them. Boston's guards are the best help defense guards in the league with White and Smart. So like they'll take charges on him. They'll play the elbows. Just not having the shooting of Middleton. Like I don't think Middleton's one on one game would have worked very well. They, I mean, Milwaukee can't run a pick and roll. <laughs> they don't have anyone to run a pick and roll. That that seems like a problem. <laughs> It's amazing we're saying this about a title contender, right? I mean, with Middleton out, like he's they have they have very little passing, which you desperately need. Uh, you know, I, I think like Boston's help defense and their ability to fly around is just too good. Robert Williams, I expect to be back and playing well. We'll need to get a larger sample of that, but I think that'll be yeah. the case. And his ability to come over against Giannis and when Giannis kind of gets stood up and and get a shot block. Um, so to me, I think it's going to be a defensive series. And, and like Milwaukee, like low key hasn't actually even been able to score well against Chicago. No, they just completely choked off the Bulls the last game. Yeah, like the Bulls are scoring 85 a game. That's why they're winning. Even in, in their two wins in Chicago, they weren't like dominating. And that's even with Allen going off from the outside. And Allen may get a sponsorship deal with Target in this series. <laughs> <sighs> yeah that that's a possibility too so i'm i think it's gonna be a defensive series i'm just worried that without home court that milwaukee is just 
not gonna be able to score well enough like who are you gonna start if you're milwaukee you know start uh same guys or you go try something different the only thing you wonder is could you size down a little bit and start pat Connaughton for portis yeah yeah maybe I, I mean portis might be a better shooter than Connaughton though i think he probably is yeah it's what Connaughton's weird everything's either a clean swish or like a or like misses by seven feet there's like no it never like rattles around the rim and then bounces out milwaukee could definitely use getting george hill back doesn't sound like he's close necessarily with this ab injury i i guess Although the question was, to me yeah he was he was questionable i thought now so like he's oh is maybe, he all right maybe yeah. i maybe yeah. i missed that yeah yeah i think he might play tonight oh okay yeah considered questionable i mean that would make a difference just to extend their rotation by like one more real player yeah and, and one more real player who can shoot a little bit yeah i think to me i don't expect milwaukee to be able to score very well against boston it's just what is boston's offense look like against milwaukee that's the big question mark and you know west matthews is probably going to guard tatum and they'll probably put drew on jalen brown and i think that's a pretty decent matchup but those are kind of the only two guys they have who can defend those players without middleton they can't really do much switching so it's going to be a drop coverage can tatum get open for some threes off the pick and roll smart they're probably going to not guard him very much he's going to need to hit shots i mean milwaukee can wall off the rim against these guys for sure so then just are the shots going to go in for boston from the outside because they're they're going to get nothing at the rim in this series it seems like other than maybe some robert williams offensive rebounds but it could be the best series of the playoffs i think what do, what do you think happens in uh, memphis minnesota I think I think Memphis is going to win. I just don't know if it's going to be six or seven. Uh, Minnesota has to be kicking themselves because you could argue that they could have won this in five. I mean, yeah. blow the twenty-six point lead and then the the thirteen point lead. Uh, just too many, too many bad youthful breakdowns by Minnesota in terms of turnovers, transition defense, decision making, kind of all the mistakes you expect from a young team. They're playing against another young team, and Memphis has made plenty of those same mistakes. But Memphis has a little more depth and a little more talent right now. So I, I think especially like Ja Morant, him getting going in that fourth quarter to a way that we really haven't seen all series. I wonder if we're gonna get four quarters of that in Game Six and that's going to be how the series ends that's the biggest question to me because he was going to be on my all disappointing team until that awesome fourth quarter where he had 18 in the fourth and scored the last 13 points of the game he also made a made a field goal at the end of the third quarter yeah that's a top 15 playoff dunk ever maybe top 10 that was incredible yeah it was so bad that like chris finch couldn't put malik beasley in like he was ineligible to play at the end he had to go with mclaughlin interesting substitution right although mclaughlin made uh, a great worked, pass though. for for the edwards three I, yeah I he had a, he that. had an assist to towns right after he came into I, I, mclaughlin gives them a little bit of like passing and steadying influence highest so, per on the wolves in this playoff series wow so yeah i think uh it just depends what jaw we get if we get that jaw from the fourth quarter then i think they close it out in six but to say and it seemed like that dunk really kind of woke him up but i just couldn't like he was another guy who just didn't look like the same guy and it's not to me like minnesota is not some like unbelievable defensive team like they've got some length and and but you know they're just putting two on the ball with carl anthony towns like you should be able to just pass out of that and beat that and attack them in transition he just wasn't really his floater game was non-existent for the last four games before this game so I, yeah. I don't know what to say. Was it was it physical? Was it mental? Did he just need to get woken up with that dunk? I I can't say honestly. He did look like he took some blows to the midsection where maybe that was bothering him. Yeah, and and kind of a, a shot to the thigh maybe from Towns in game two. So you wonder about that. Okay, uh, so we got like five minutes left here. Sorry, what were you going to say? Brandon Clark. How about that? One of the best offensive rebounding quarters I've ever seen in my life. There was a span what of nine effort. of nine possessions where he got six offensive rebounds bounce wow yeah it was it was insane and you go back and watch on a couple of them they actually blocked him out and he just outleaped and high pointed the guy and got to it anyway which he i mean he's six eight like it was incredible he was jumping out off a trampoline the whole game and he played he was doing this he played the final 19 minutes right like yep. he should have been out of gas by then so quote-unquote energy guy who's in his you know playing this long a consecutive shift and he dominated the game in the fourth quarter yeah it was incredible the one where Patrick Beverly fouled him twice causing him to miss a tip on the left side and then he somehow got to the right side of the basket and tipped in his own miss 
from the left it, side over Vanderbilt. Yeah, took it away from Vanderbilt, who in his own right is an awesome rebounder. Like that, that was incredible. All right, should we? Uh, who, who's your projected NBA champion here? All right, here on said, April April twenty seventh. Now I said Phoenix against Boston in the finals. The last time we did this, you got to like Boston still, right, to make it? Yeah, I. I mean, I'm, I'm changing my I'll pick from it, Milwaukee to Boston. I think I, I think I might flip now. I'm not one of those people who like rides or dies with his picks, no matter what. You take new information and you, you know, you course correct. Um, I would lean more toward Golden State over Phoenix. I had Phoenix beating Golden State in seven. Now I'd probably go the other way and say Golden State beats them in six and you get a Golden State Boston final. And who wins that? Ooh, that feels very coin tossy to me. Um, but Golden State would have home court advantage, right? I'll go Golden State in seven. Yeah, I had Golden State beating Milwaukee when I did these picks initially. And Golden State has looked as good as you could possibly hope for, you would think. Boston defense has been so nasty though and especially like they are so built to guard goal like i think that's a bad matchup for golden state the way they can switch the amount of athleticism that they have as well and it- not a great Tatum matchup uh, for Golden State. They put Wiggins on him, I guess. Yeah, I mean they've got Iguodala. They've got bodies to throw at him, but then that putting Clay, Poole, and Steph all out there at the same time, you kind of lose that at some point. I just don't know what that lineup is going to look like. How well can they defend against a team that actually has a guard or a wing who can do something like the the Jokic matchup has been tenable for them because Denver doesn't have many guards who are going to do much. Although Game Four they went wild. So yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I could even see Golden State losing to Memphis in the second round, too. Like, we just, not having seen Boston or Golden State go up against a real defense yet, it's tough to say what that's actually going to look like. And there's a frailty aspect to Golden State, too, that you have to wonder about as we get deeper into the postseason. I think that's why one of the reasons it's important for them to go ahead and close this in five and get get a few days off and a few days just without any games where somebody else can get injured. I mean, that's true for all these teams, right? I mean, Miami, we didn't talk about Victor. Victor Oladipo is a surprise. That was that was nice. We don't need to hit on it too much, but it should probably be acknowledged that he's uh came back and helped Miami win a playoff game. But I like Miami against Boston. Like I could I mean Miami's gonna have home court. I could see Miami winning that series. Absolutely. Like that's that to me is just gonna be such a defensive war. I think Boston would win that, but I could easily see Miami winning that. Yeah, they uh they need Jimmy Butler's knee to be okay. And it would be a, it would be a repeat of that series in the bubble, which was a really good series. I thought Boston had the best better team but they didn't they didn't execute they didn't beat them um so it'd be be interesting to see how that plays out uh yeah i was at i mean i was at game four of that atlanta miami series and they took oladipo out of cold storage and he really like from the point he entered that's really when that game turned very heavily in miami's favor and then obviously had a great game yesterday to close it out i think at this point he's moved ahead of duncan robinson in the in the mix like i i don't know if duncan robinson is going to play when we get to these later series and short rotations and whatnot it's going be a really inter- interesting thing to watch yeah now if they go up against say the bucks then he probably would play uh against boston i think probably not you know but uh but you could see and- even against atlanta playing hero and robinson together is like a problem defensively against anyone with good wing yeah and, and philly would be an interesting one as well whether he'll play but uh or toronto <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man that's but yeah i think uh i guess my pick ultimately i didn't make one would probably be boston over golden state in six now in the but uh, again i think it's kind of funny to, that i've changed my pick from golden state i think it's really just more about how boston has looked and also that robert williams actually is back too which i wasn't necessarily i was skeptical of that timeline but now that he's back and playing it's like okay yeah. I, I guess your timeline was believable then uh, although let's see how he if he can actually like you know play 30 minutes a game and be effective first like we've not had the victory parade on that just yet but it is trending yeah. well yeah make sure this is i mean a brandon brandon roy comeback thing here but, but honestly like the dallas mavericks could make the nba finals like i think that's a possibility at this point like i even think memphis could make it like i think any of the teams in the west i would give at least a puncher's chance to and it, i think it's going to come down to matchups you know i don't know that any of those teams are just like so much better than any of the others I think that's like probably Dallas has true looked that awesome. There's, there's some injury gray area. Yeah, Dallas has looked awesome. We just don't know. It's tough. Again, it's easier for us to calibrate once we've seen a couple games in the second round. You know, how much yeah. is them and how much is the opponent? 
like if you like Luca and shooting is a proven formula to score pretty well even against I mean we've only seen it before really against the Clippers and now this Utah team that Clippers team was very well situated to defend them and they still would struggle with them a lot of the time and now they've got Brunson and Dinwiddie as secondary playmakers and they can go five out more they don't have the Porzingis anchor anymore and like what if this defense is really legitimate right like what like I mean they completely throttled the number one offense in the NBA like they, like we got to give some respect to that possibility that they could continue to do that i think phoenix is much better set up to attack them but devin booker might miss a couple of games in that series yeah that's the big worry that they're already down 2-0 or 2-1 or something by the time booker comes back all right well what did you write for the athletic this week so i wrote uh about five of the key plays uh using video clips in the memphis minnesota game five from last night uh, and how those, why those were important and how they impacted the outcome. And uh, early in the week, I wrote about Victor Oladipo coming back uh, for Miami and how Miami has a little bit of a Duncan Robinson issue now as it heads into the offseason. Well, uh, but he's also the only guy they can trade. And it seems it seems like they're going to be trying to go after Bradley Beal. And they've got these two firsts that they can trade now as well. Yep. They've got some some exactly. young guys who could be some filler, you know, some nice assets too. So yeah, that could be very interesting. They're a team to watch for sure this offseason all right we will be back next week and don't forget you can also check out john and i on spotify live at 3 eastern 12 pacific generally every wednesday at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car it's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross country and back and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool for the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.